0: If you're really doing this, I want to help. I've been recruiting for the rebellion. Spies, assassins, saboteurs. Yeah, of course. My gloves. Yeah.
1: Come to episode number 328. Blast Points is Jason. And this game, we've been up for a really long time. (laughs) I know. And every time I think I'm starting to get tired, I remember that you got up like two hours before I did. So (laughs) we'll see if we can hold it together. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I've been up for so long. I'm so tired. (laughs) Star Wars, yeah, yeah. I guess I'll do it for Star Wars. Uh, you know, though, no regrets, no regrets. I was up at four a.m. this morning. We're recording this on the Wednesday that Andor came out, September twenty first, twenty twenty two, and I, yeah, I have been up since four in the morning. No regrets. No, I have no regrets either. I was not up as early as you. I was up at five. And with the time change, I still got like, what, two more hours of sleep than you, so. (laughs) So lucky. I'm so jealous. But yeah, there is nothing I would rather get up early for than new Star Wars and Andor did not let me down. It was worth every hour I didn't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Zero regrets. This show, this show is something special. I don't know. I'm 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 calling I can see it. This show has got it going on in a lot of ways. We knew it was gonna be good, like right. We knew like people it was like hey, Andor's really good. It's gonna be really, really good. And you got a good feel for it from the trailers, but like watching it, like really watching these first three episodes, it's like okay, yeah, this is great. Well, I think the most interesting and exciting thing is in some ways it's the most un-Star Wars new Star Wars we've gotten in a way but because of that, it's why it's just kind of so compelling because it's almost like you know and I think it's the truth of with Tony Gilroy like not really being into Star Wars before he came on to work on Rogue One that it's almost like you know, an anthropologist studying Star Wars and like, well, what, what makes Star Wars, Star Wars? And now I'm going to do my own kind of version of Star Wars that I don't know. It's just, it's really, really interesting to me how sometimes I feel like I'm watching a different sci-fi show, but then, you know, something will happen. And I'm like, no, this is Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it, it's such a a different flavor than what we've, gotten in the past and it's you know we were anticipating this but now that it's actually here of just you know being in this like new golden age where there are all these different kinds of star wars and you know we still have the absolute ridiculousness of book of boba fett but then on the complete other end of the spectrum we have this like very serious like almost like star wars for grown-ups kind of a thing and I, I don't know. I'm all, I'm all for it. I like the, the variety we have in, and, in and Andor is just, yeah, it's something special. It's like watching it this morning. I was loving the way it was kind of treating the the star Wars kind of things where it wasn't precious about the star Warsy kind of things, like, especially on Ferrix where there's just wacky aliens galore. And the one part, that really kind of made me smile Is when Tim with two M's The doomed Kind of boyfriend of Bix When he's working at the counter Like one of the first times you see him And he's just kind of going back and forth With an alien And in my head I'm just like Oh is that like a like a, a Tessick Is that like a squid face or something And it, you, And it never turns around And there's also a droid at the counter too And you don't even really get a good look at it But I was like in a way that's not kind of what we've had before in the live action shows where it's kind of been like, look at this cool droid and look at this cool alien. And it's like, wow, I love that cool droid. And I love that cool alien. But kind of how I really dig how Andor is just taking a kind of more realistic approach to it where there's droids and aliens all over the place. But Maybe that alien doesn't even need to turn around because that's how it would be in real life. You just see some alien from behind and be like, I don't know. And when Luthien is on the bus and there's just two Akiaki Aki in the background just having a conversation. And I'm like, there's two Akiaki Aki back there. That's really cool. But they're just in the background. It's not. It's not flashy about its Star Wars-ness. It's flashy about its characters and its story. And there's lots of Star Wars-ness sprinkled in. The computers and, like, the monitor terminals are, like, the most 70s and crazy-looking, like, like tape drive, like, Commodore 64-looking computers in the world. But it's not, fl- like, again, it's not flashy about everything. Everything is very subtle. And in a way, if I was watching it and I was like, God, I really kind of love the Star Warsiness of this. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely all of the ingredients of Star Wars are there. And they're just, it's like a different chef came and has the same table full of herbs and spices and mixed them in different ways to where it's familiar. But... It feels like a whole new, a whole new dish. Like, and every once in a while, you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this, yeah, I remember that. That's Star Wars. Oh, this is Star Warsy. But then, yeah, there's, you know, you'll go a few minutes, and and I'm just like, because there's times I like, I felt like I was watching Dune or just some brand new sci-fi thing. Just the way we got, and maybe that's just also this show starting so far away of what we're familiar with like there's no stormtroopers there's no recognizable almost star wars stuff other than some of the aliens mixed around you know there's droids and things and that sort of stuff but like we have these new the corporate soldiers who are kind of you know really the kind of stuff we would expect to see in clone wars maybe but now kind of given a very realistic kind of matter of fact presentation of these just these guys that work for a corporation that are security guys and they have their own ships and their own things, and they kind of look like, you know, things we've seen before, but they're, it's different enough that I don't know. It's just, it's really exciting that it's so much of a new thing, but also kind of getting rid of what we're used to as far as there's no wipes, there's no, there's hardly any music. Like the music is much more of an accent than a something that kind of carries the story that we're kind of used to with Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I just found that all really really interesting how how different it can be but still feel just right. I agree with everything you said and and I thought that was really refreshing when I was watching. It, I was just thinking this is great. This is so different. This is the promise of Star Wars on TV. What we always want, we always talk about like different flavors and different directors And different creative teams bringing in fresh new ways to look at Star Wars. And Star Wars being as big and as broad and as diverse in the way you can tell a story that you can do something like Andor. It took me a while, even at first, to even like figure out that these were like the the, secu- the corporate security cops like the they're the, the basically like mall cops that take their job really really seriously and knowing what we know from the trailer that eventually the empire does get involved and this conflict does become much more serious and that's I, I just thought it was really fascinating and it is I I, I was thinking too it is very Clone Wars. Where I remember like watching episodes of the Clone Wars and being just like, What is George talking about? Like what are, you, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like we're going into like weird little corners and pockets of the galaxy. But I think it's the neat thing with Andor is we we've never seen this kind of stuff in live action. We've never seen people just working at stores. We've never seen people going on dates. <laughs> we've, we've never heard anyone say the S word in Star Wars either, I don't think. <laughs> No. Well, that's, you know, Star Trek fans out there will know what I'm talking about, where it, the reaction to Andor just today, and I'm sure as it goes on, reminds me a lot of when Deep Space Nine came out, because Deep Space Nine came out right after it was the first show after Next Generation and Deep Space Nine was very different and it was all the words people are using for andor like it was darker and grittier and for this (laughs) one's for the grown-ups and all that stuff (laughs) people were saying all that stuff about d space nine and there were people just like andor but with d space nine when it came out, been like this doesn't feel like star trek you know like this there's no that where's the positive message and all that stuff And look at D Space Nine now. It is like heralded as like a groundbreaking TV show. And people are like, you know, D Space Nine was the one that started it all. And everybody points to D Space Nine as like, you know, the most underrated Star Trek show ever. And its fans are incredibly passionate. If D Space Nine, I think, would have came out today on streaming, I think the reaction to it would be completely different. It was very much ahead of its time. And who knows, Andor could be ahead of its time right now. Well, and that reminds me of the other... I mean, the other thing is, which is so great going into this, is we know that there's a finite number of episodes. Like, they've already said it's two seasons. So we kind of, you know, not that... We shouldn't get any uh, (laughs) complaints of of filler episodes, that sort of thing. Because it's like, we know everything is leading to something because... They're gonna run out of time. And I think that's great because I always kind of like the idea of shows that have a definite end that they're working towards. And you don't and sometimes shows have that, but they don't tell you, or they say they are, but you know, they they add two or three seasons in the middle because it's so popular. And I don't know, it'll just be interesting to see how the story goes with so much kind of focus on there being an, an end that they're working towards. It seems like at least in the first three episodes that we saw today that there's a plan like episodes one and two kind of just end and there's no way you could just watch those episodes just on their own. I'm so curious about what the future is going to be like as we get into episodes seven, eight, nine, ten and stuff. Well yeah, that was that was my if I had to like have any complaints it was like, man, I don't want to have to go next week and only watch like the first third of of a of a whole story like cuz yeah, these first three episodes really felt like okay, this is a 2-hour movie they cut into three parts. And it's going to be a long week after we get the first third <laughs> next week, we get, we get a little Mon Mothma or something. And then it's going to be like, wait, no, no, we got to wait another week. And especially it's a Mon Mothma yeah. where it's going to be like, oh, 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 give me the story. I've been waiting for the story forever. Well, the other thing with this show that, you know, they kind of hinted that this was going to be the case, but the fact that there are so many characters and they all are very interesting and, We're getting something that, you know, feels very Star Wars to me, too, of we're getting as much story about, you know, the bad guys as the good guys. Like everyone is almost an equal character in a way. And that, you know, kind of seeing how Andor is kind of going from just kind of being just surviving to, you know, channeling his energy into the rebellion. And we're kind of seeing a similar journey, I think, with the uh, I can't remember his name, the Cyril. Cyril. Yeah, the overachieving corporate guy who you know doesn't doesn't listen to his boss and decides to take things into his own hands and kind of uh, gets a little overambitious and uh, you know things uh, don't go the way he pl- <laughs> he planned by the end and kind of are escalating the situation. So we're we're kind of getting all these different perspectives on on uh, on the story, which I'm really curious to see how many of these people we come back to in the future and, and kind of how many of them stay around. It was overwhelming at first. Like when I first finished the three episodes this morning, I was just like, I don't know anybody's names. <laughs> I don't know the names of any of the planets. I know about Cassie Andor, and I know Luthan cause I've been thinking about him a lot, but I was just like, I had to watch it again. I watched it again this morning, and I watched it again tonight. So I've watched it three times now, and I'm starting to get the feel for people's names. But after that first time, I was just like, oh, I don't know who anybody is. Yeah, there's a lot of people. It's a lot of information. A lot happening. And as far as we know, going into the next story arc, it's all new people because we're going to go to potentially to Coruscant and get into the political side and have you know a whole nother. Cast of characters to be introduced to. It's almost, it's like watching like a a Star Wars novel with story arcs and tons of characters and lots of storylines going on that start to intersect. And, you know, it's like reading some Star Wars books where you got to keep note of who's who and what their species is. And then you got to go on Wikipedia and figure out what that species is. Like I said, we knew we our expectations were high. And I think they've been surpassed. I I don't know. It's it's still a lot to it's still a lot to take in, is what I'm saying. So much so it is what everyone said it was gonna be, and it 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 lived up to its premise and the promise of what it was gonna be, and that you know it is a very serious take on Star Wars, which is really interesting because we really haven't gotten this serious of a take, and and it's so kind of cool because it is like the same sort of inspiration that you would get, you know, George Lucas' inspirations of you know things that happened in history, in the politics of a rebellion, and you know what are what are the role of corporations have and all of this and like all the stuff that people kind of made fun of with the prequels, but now being filtered kind of very seriously and it works and it's really, really compelling. And, and I can't wait to see what happens next. i loved people losing their minds like a couple of weeks ago or whatever, when Tony Gilroy was just like, oh, we're not going to put any Easter eggs in this show. I don't want, I don't even know what an Easter egg is. A Easter, you know, was oh, that the Easter bunny? That's not in the show. Why? I don't care if they're, but watching it this morning, I'm like, God, it's really kind of nice that there aren't any like wink, winks to the audience of like, remember this? Remember that, you know, Hey, Hey, look at this. Oh, is that Pando Baba? You know, there's, it's kind of neat. Like, we don't need that. But what's cool is it's like like you said earlier where it doesn't it's not drawing a, a overly a it's not overly drawing attention to things that there's still the Star Wars universe things that make it interesting in there and you know there's it's you can tell it's the UK crew and there's a lot of sequel trilogy creatures mixed in there like the puppet the puppet birds and the luga beast and and that sort of thing and and we get little hints of things like the you know the crash ship on canary the the troops have separatist logos on their uniforms like you know there's that kind of world building story stuff that you know sometimes gets misplaced with kind of like you said yeah easter eggs and that sort of stuff like it's not like it doesn't tie into the greater star wars universe it's just not drawing attention to it and yeah like you said it's not like oh there's dr Evezin or you know Gre- Greedo's uncle or something well maybe that's the thing there there are easter eggs i guess yeah but they're more like there's a, a small percentage of the audience watching that's gonna know that those guys have you know separatist or is it separatist patches or is it republic patches because I'm pretty sure I double checked because the, the separatist logo looks like the like a tie fighter wing and that's what the guys with the the dead guys with the gas mask had on their suits. Yeah, I'm so confused cuz yeah, they're cuz when when they come on the ship, when Marva comes on the ship and stuff, they're they're saying like that they're that it's republic, but well no, I think she's saying the republic ship's coming. To, um, to like clean up. Like I took it to mean where that, that ship crashed because it was probably fighting with the republic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then the other crazy thing is like if it's the separatist like with crazy gas or, or bioweapons, that's like right out of Clone Wars with Peppy Bo and the in the Blue Nile the Blue Virus or whatever, remember? Oh, and the weird oh and the weird goodness, scientist oh. guy in the underground lab or whatever, like that's totally the separatist thing. So like that's where it's like. All that Star Wars interconnectivity is there, but it's not, like, being dumb about it, basically. Yeah, it's not being obvious. Like we said, it's it's subtle, Star Wars, which is kind of refreshing, which is kind of cool. It's kind of what we've always been wondering about. How do these things work? Like, can you just go to somebody's house, and do they, in the morning, do they have <laughs> calf? Yeah. <laughs> How do they go to work? What do they do? Which kind of brings us to something... That we wanted to talk about before we get to like kind of getting into the nitty gritty of the three episodes, we wanted to talk about the Wall of Gloves. We we'll get the scrapyard on Fair Ricks before you start your job. You need to go to. It was another one of those early mornings where, how is this real? <laughs> like, like how, how did the planets align where of, of all the things to focus on, like, who who at Lucasfilm, does, does Tony Gilroy love the My Gloves line as much as we do? Like, never in a million years would I have really thought there would have anything to do with Cassian saying My Gloves and the fact that not only are the workers... All wearing big gloves, but they hang them all on a giant wall of gloves. And yeah, I I almost just like choked on my own spit and and dropped dead right then. Fine if you got to go to work at your scrapyard pulling wires out of ships and stuff. If you got to wear gloves for that. Makes you probably should protect your hands. Hard work. But the fact that they show the wall of gloves about eight or nine times, just big wide shots <laughs> of this wall of gloves. Yeah, and we've 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 been obsessing over the my gloves line like for years. For years. Because it still it doesn't really make any sense. We asked Pablo about it at celebration. It was the one in Florida. Was it Orlando? Yeah it was Orlando. Where we we were like, hey it's Pablo. Pablo, what's the story of my gloves line? And he's like, what? (laughs) I have places to go. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell's wrong with you guys? Leave me alone. <laughs> we were like, if we see Papa, we got to ask him about the, my gloves line. And we did. Um, and he didn't really give us an answer because there is no answer, but there, yeah. On Ferrex, there is just a wall of gloves. And I was trying to be like, is it like a symbolic thing? Hanging your boots up after you go to work or something, you take your gloves on you take your gloves off. I, I don't know, but, Gloves are a big deal. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like it, in, 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 in respect, yeah, it, it's, it's got to be some sort of, you know, it's symbolism of the show, of the, you know, the, the, the workers rising up or, or, you know, that sort of thing. But also it seems like it's a wink to Kazian talking about his gloves, <laughs> gloves in the other one. There's never been so much attention on gloves. It's, it's, I, it's, it's, it's perplexing. Well, it, it brought me back to watching the first episode of The Mandalorian and and there being a baby Yoda and it and being like, Wait, how is there a baby Yoda when we've been obsessed with the Yoda baby part from some with a random QVC we watched, you know, twenty five years ago and now there's a baby Yoda in a show and we've been talking about my gloves for so long and now the show is like, yeah. We hear you. There's a wall of gloves just just for you. <laughs> a wall of gloves. <laughs> so many gloves. So and so many shots of put, them putting them on the hooks, taking them off the hooks. The big wide shot of gloves. I was I was watching it this morning and I was like, all right. Uh, you know, may, may, maybe we were right last week's episode that we really were all – we're dead. We're in some weird purgatory where we just – all of our Star Wars dreams are coming true because we 're not alive anymore it's guy that 's the only answer that 's the only thing it can it can really be yeah. <laughs> so we 're sorry for anyone else trapped here in the in the Jason and Gabe Star Wars dimension where all of our dreams are made real. <laughs>
0: back uh, and also because I'm not back into the Cassian Andor you met mm-hmm. on Rogue One uh, I'm telling you the story five years uh, before you know mm-hmm. and I'm telling you the story that answers all the questions that Rogue One didn't answer for me Rogue One is it's a, it's a lot about the event where the, the sacrifice they make, but you don't know exactly why and where they come from and uh, where that decision is, is, coming, is coming from. So now we're going to tell you that story, you know? You, you remember there was a, a line in uh, Rogue One uh, where the character says, I've been in this fight since I was six years old, right? So now, now we're going to meet that man, you know, the wounded man that he, that couldn't have a childhood and he's been fighting since six years old. Yeah. We're going to get to meet him in a moment where he doesn't feel capable of what he actually ends up doing, you know? He, he doesn't feel that he has that inside. So it's about that awakening and I just... Yeah, I, I am very excited because I would have—it would have been terrible to come back and do the same character. But this is not the same character, yeah. and uh, it reminds us that we're all capable of of transforming, and uh, we're all capable of doing extraordinary things. You know. Yes.
1: let's start getting into it. Let's talk about Andor episode one. It's just like episode one, right? Like the Book of Boba and Mando all had names and Kenobi was like part one, part two. But this is just like episode one or something. Is it? You know, I don't even remember what it said, because when the show starts, there is no indication of what episode you're watching. There's no no title, no number. There's just the, the Andor, Andor. The Andor logo, which I will say that my only honest criticism of the show is the Andor logo, like coming out of space, takes way too long. (laughs) Let's get to it. (laughs) That's the only thing. I'm like, come on, hurry up. Hurry up and show up on the screen. I want to see what's going to come next. With this first one, I was just like, ooh, cool. You know, like, what is that, a planet? what's happening and then it's like oh no it's that it's that symbol and then it says and or all oh. yeah but there was two and three where i was just like i i, I never gave i never did it with any other star wars show before but i was like skip intro <laughs> i did i did skip intro because i was like i just watched it <laughs> but it just it, everything else moves so quickly it feels so slow and especially if you think like i'm thinking like with rogue one where it's like the intro to rogue one was like Bump, here's the logo, and we're into the show. And it's like Andor's like (laughs) Endor. It'll be better in future weeks. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. That'll be good. Okay. So it starts out with super cool plan. I like that it started out too with telling you the names of the planet on screen, Rogue One style again, with that same font. I was just like, oh, we're right back in Rogue One. And staying five years, five BBY. Again, I was like, come on, that's hardcore. <laughs> yeah. How many people watching Andor are like, oh, good. Now I know when it's set. It's five BBY. People will be asking their kids, like, what does is BBY like when you text someone, you say BBY, what does that mean? <laughs> be back, yes. Then <laughs> you got it. People are going to ask you, what does BBY mean? And you got to explain it. And then they're never going to talk to you again. Yeah. The Battle of Yavin. So Cassian is going to like this brothel. Uh, He's looking for his sister. But what a way to intro the show, though, with this space brothel and his whole confrontation with the two dudes. And even him talking to the woman at the space brothel, too, like. Super intriguing way to get it started. Well, and a good kind of reintroduction to the character too of you know, at his heart, he just he wants to find his sister. He like cares about his family and he's he's a good person. And very quickly, whether he's a good person or not, he has to do things that get him in trouble and kind of set this whole story in motion. And Then we kind of start with the flashbacks, right? Of young Casa on the planet, in in like a little like War of the Flies kind of situation with a tribe of children. Again, like bringing up Star Trek, it all kind of reminded me of like a Star Trek kind of episode of like the planet is all children. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if how much more of that, if at all, will get if they'll because it's kind of like at first I was like. I didn't think they would give us as much backstory as they did, but now I'm kind of thinking they're just going to leave that kind of ambiguous why they were pretty much all just children. I mean, I guess we know that there was the there was the mine there and it kind of got what um, contaminated and maybe all the parents worked on the mine and they all were killed, but whatever. Yeah, he had his kind of tribe family of, of other children. Because I was trying to figure out, maybe jumping ahead here too, of the – the kind of leader was she just the leader or was she potentially like an older sister cuz he seemed very attached to her as well yeah i don't know i went back and i rewatched the trailer and there's the one part where the girl is like looking overhead while it looks like a star destroyer is flying and i'm like is that the same girl that was the leader of their group Oh yeah, I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch that again too. I kept waiting for the Star Destroyer when they were the kids, and then I was like, wait, I think that was different. <laughs> that was a different part. Because it was. I wonder, yeah, we could be getting more flashbacks. I don't know. I liked all the flashback stuff too, because it, it as much as it reminded me of like an episode of Star Trek, it also was I just kept thinking, I was like, man, this is so wild. This is happening while the clone wars are going on. Well, and and it was one of the most Star Wars parts, because it's a new language and there's, and they went extra Star Wars and didn't subtitle it to where it's just like, right. you know, it's Lucas style. You're watching a foreign movie. You have no idea what's going on. You don't know what people are saying, but you're kind of like, you get sucked in and you can kind of, you can follow the story and it's like, you're watching, you know, something from another, another culture. And that's right. what it's all about was a Star Wars. So was very cool and then after that we cut to b2 emo kind of rolling through with a really cute little piece of music as he's rolling through and uh a little space dog comes up and pees on b2 emo (laughs) how were you doing when this when the solo dogs and rubber masks came back it's like, I was, I was just like, this, this show's great. It's great. Great, 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 great. great. Across the board. Great. I, and I just loved that. The little boop, 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 beep, beep, boop, boop music as B2 emo is going a lot. And it's just like, we, you know, we had those, like this serious, serious, the, the brothel. And then the really cool tribe of children with young, young Casa. And then, okay, here we go. Here's just a goofy droid. Rolling along as a as a space dog, as, as a willow dog, as a solo dog pees on it. I just love, it. And, and and you know, I'm sure there are probably some CG stuff, and there's probably some shots with where they're in costumes or whatever. But like, I just love so much that it's like it looks like a dog in like a, a an ill fitting rubber mask that just kind of shakes around when they run, and it looks so awesome. Oh. Well, and I can't get enough of B2 Emo, too, because I was reading that, like, a part of the, the BB-8 a puppeteering crew is working on B2 Emo. Like, the second and third time I watched the episodes today, I was like, man, like, you take for granted how wild the puppeteering is with B2 Emo and how much is going on with him and how expressive he is. It's like... It's not like the rolling ball, like the miracle of nature and science that BB-8 was, but it's like I don't know how B-2 EMO is working no. exactly. No, and he is, yeah, is such a cool design where he definitely this looks ancient, but like he's got all the moving like gears in his middle where he can, yeah, his neck gets taller, but his head's like kind of on a ball joint, and he looks around and his voice is like he talks with in english but he's kind of you can tell he's old and stutters and kind of sounds like a mix between k2so and like a speech text to speech voice and oh yeah he's i don't know and i don't think the fact that he kind of sounds like k2so is on accident oh no no i don't think so either yeah yeah it's for a while it's like i was like part of his memory moved into K2SO or something, or our friend Steve was wondering, does Cassian, once he gets K2, eventually probably in season two, program him a bit more like B2, like this more kind of familiar kind of feeling, almost where his voice is kind of similar, because it yeah. just, it's probably cozy for him. Yeah. No, because definitely even in just these couple episodes, there's definitely lines and things that B2 says that really do feel K2SO-like. Right. So, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, that that they're either giving kind of an impression of him or the story will – he will literally (laughs) become part of K2SO. And then we kind of cut to Cyril, the young Imperial, like we were talking about before – there's, something's up with him though Like he always looks like he's gonna Throw up in every single scene Well I feel like it's, it's the It's the character it's the kind of idea Of you get these people who Are kind of awkward and not Necessarily good people But when they're in Kind of a situation Like that like where you're Where it's almost I guess Like fascist in a way where it's like People who are kind of like that have a can excel and you're kind of supposed to see him as this kind of awkward person who doesn't who's more ambition than anything else and and he just happens to be in this situation where he's able to get more power than he should and that yeah he's not really i don't know if he's, he's not really evil as much as he's just ambitious and awkward and But he ends up doing more harm than maybe he intends. I don't know. I saw people wondering if he was actually undercover, if he was like a a fulcrum before there was a fulcrum. And when I watch it again, thinking of that point of view, like there's that one part before he goes into that map room. And he's just kind of standing there deep in thought and then finally gets up the courage to walk into that map room. It's almost like everything he's doing, he's – like I said, it looks like he's going to throw up before he does it. Every single step. Almost like he's playing a role. That may not be the case, but if you watch it from that perspective, it is interesting. Well, I think the the way – what you're seeing is correct, but I think it's – he's he feels that way because this is not – it's kind of like um, – I mean, it's the whole – war movies always do this where, you know, you – you're young and you think this is going to be cool. And then when it happens and people are dying and you're getting shot at and it's horrible, you realize that, well, this is actually not as cool as I thought it was going to be, Right? you know, because at the beginning he like, he takes his, his rank very seriously. And what are they, what's his supervisor saying, how he like customized his uniform and everything. Like he just, the whole idea of, of the power of a uniform and, and, uh, and being in command is exciting to him. But then when the consequences of that start to happen, where he has to you know give the speech to the troops and they're like, whatever, but then they're on the ground and, and this whole set of events that he set in motion by going after Kazian, you know, against his supervisor's orders is now getting all these people killed. It's almost gotten him killed. Like, I think it's just like the, the reality of everything hitting him. And that actor is just so good at kind of portraying all those Emotions just on his sickly face that it really it really kind of sucks you in. And he's not an imperial officer. He's not even a stormtrooper. He they like I said they're like mall cops. They're like they're like renta cops. They are people yeah. that have tasted a little bit of power and they've kind of gone nuts. They wish they could be in the empire. They'd love to be stormtroopers, but they're not. Yeah, and he is. You know, he's not even as much of a soldier as the other guys are like, he's a manager really (laughs) who's now, you know, in a battle. Well, and then kind of the last one of the last big characters we meet in this first episode, Bix, super duper interesting character. I love how she already has a relationship with Luthen, her relationship with Cassian, her relationship with goofball, Tim with two M's, Tim, M. I know Bix is great. <laughs> I feel like the story's just getting started with Bix. Again, if you watch the trailer, there's a lot more Bix to come. It was cool getting to see her work on little tiny spaceship engines or little pod racer engines. It, it sounded like they were talking about races somewhere that they needed the engines for some sort of a race. Yeah, just working at like the engine shop is so good. So that kind of moves us into kind of episode number two, right? With the, uh, the bells. Bells. Bells.
0: Bells. <laughs> what was all that? All that was the verse. <laughs> A verse always comes before the chorus. Bells, 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 the thing they do is ring. Bells, 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 bells what happy thoughts they bring.
1: Yeah, and that whole thing was really cool, the way they integrated all that into the next episode when we get to the third episode, too, with the idea of, like, it was just a cool enough concept of, like, instead of having a rooster or or clocks or whatever, right, like, there's the guy who who plays the bells, you know, to let you know when it's time to work and all that. But then carrying that over into the whole banging on the wind chimes thing when the, when the battle happens and, and that. Effectively being the music during that scene, but also being something that actually happens in the world. And then also tying into just the culture of that planet it was just a really cool touch. I like episode two because it's kind of like we meet uh, Marva, played by Fiona Shaw, as Cassian's adoptive mother. Mother. I like their whole relationship. I really like all the details, like in their little house that they live in, like Cassian's room with the little toy Bantha <laughs> where also it's kind of like he's got like his staff like his little blow dart thing when he was a kid and he still has his toy bantha and i'm like man cassia how old are you (laughs) you as as i I sit in a room surrounded by star wars figures (laughs) right you know if you had that sweet bantha you'd still have it oh my god yeah if i had that sweet sweet bantha i would have it on display by me right now yeah their whole house though it's just like yeah it's just it's that the the kind of classic dirty star wars aesthetic but kind of applied to more of an urban kind of look like instead of you know huts and things we're used to in in Tatooine or whatever it's like a more kind of european industrial looking society that has the star wars touch and actually that in just overall too i like how like british this show is like everybody's kind of just straight up british straight up british <laughs> it's like super british i was really into it and i think that's where i was kind of feeling like i was watching dune sometimes because it was like it wasn't shying away from just kind of being like yeah this you know a lot of the people making the show are british we're filming this in in england like this show is british my favorite british person in the show by far is in this episode, episode number two, the guy talking to Luthen on the train with his little hat and his little phone microphone thing where he just he just wants to chit-chat. He's like, seems like we should be paying them. <laughs> they, seems like they should be paying us. I'm so old. I remember I could go across the whole place. And this hat – I was so incredibly into his little hat, well, and even the the those the the shuttles they're in like those don't even look like spaceships they're like trolleys with like really ornate windows on the front like that. This is so cool and so not Star Wars yet Star Wars at the same time. Did you notice when they land, and the the little the little hat guy with his with his little microphone? He's like, keep your eye on your wallet. He's got like a like an old British man, little like Mary Poppins suitcase that he <laughs> yeah. walks away with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is he from the planet like Liverpool or something? Yeah, like he's got a he's got a little mustache, a little hat. He's got like a little coat. He's just friendly and just wants to chit chat. Yeah. No, that whole that whole station with yeah, the the little buses and the couple droids that are lingering around there and it was just like, man, this I I love this like Star Wars by way of Britain little planet they have here. But also that it's like we were saying in the beginning, that's subtle Star Wars because it's they land there and it's almost like a little droid is like the little stepladder to the trolley yeah, yeah, it is. And, and there's other like droids waiting for people to get off the space bus but you can barely see them and i'm like oh my god there's so much star wars going on in here yeah. but it's subtle star wars oh so yeah i hope that guy was going to Phoenix to buy some more hats because he's like chat. you can always find what you're looking for here especially hats the best hats but yeah, this episode also, uh, in addition to the introduction of Marva, we are introduced to Luthen, which as soon as Luthen comes rolling into the screen, he's a boss, and he gives us our first binocular view of the show. Right. Yeah, people saying this show is a slow burn, they were talking about how it takes two episodes to get the binoculars, and... You know, that's when you know Star Wars is—it's hit its stride when the binocular vision turns on. So, yeah, leave it to Luthen. People saying it doesn't feel like Star Wars. What do you mean we got binocular vision in Episode number two? There was ship yeah. landing and taking off in Episode one. Yeah, yeah, they just took a little bit longer to get to the binoculars, but they're there. <laughs> oh, I love Luthen. <laughs> Strolling through the town Do do you trust this guy? Cassie Nander Mm. (laughs) I like him talking to his computer voice ship Just a grumpy old man in a very polite spaceship Also this episode we are introduced to Sergeant Sideburns A.K.A. Sergeant Linus Just giving it 175% in every single line Absolutely sir hats off to you, sir. Well, just they found the like stockiest, husky dudes to be all those security guys. Are just just so it's it it is. It's like I mean, it's the whole it's the Star Wars thing. You go back to New Hope where you know Luke and Leia are tiny and Han's normal size and Chewbacca's huge and Darth Vader's huge and like getting all that range of scale. And it's kind of the same thing with that all those uh, corporate soldiers are all kind of short and stocky and like kind of almost look like they're not real people, but they're just found a bunch of real people that are all kind of that shape. Yeah. I like that the Sergeant sideburns literally looks like, yeah, he walked out of 1978 too. So I, I did not expect to be like, so kind of into those guys. Like I was thinking, man, I hope they make action figures of those just, corporate security guys in their little blue uniforms cuz they're just I don't know they're just kind of they're way more interesting than I thought they would be. Oh, I totally agreed. I liked how compact their little dropship was that they're just crammed wow. in there. Oh, their little baby dropship and then their their spaceship which just looks like a remember the you know the candy bar chunky the chunky candy bar that's just like a block of chocolate with raisins in it. <laughs> they're literally flying in a in a giant chunky candy bar it's like a a trapezoid it has like no shape to it so cool when it comes out of hyperspace it's like (gasps) oh yeah they're flying they're flying in a in a block a block of steel my other person that is introduced in episode two that i love so much The guy working at the transport station ticket counter, whatever it is, and his little buddy, that whole scene, like when it starts out right away and the guy's like, you're wrong, it's the council that's irritating. And that little guy coming back and forth, (laughs) at the very end, there's that magic moment where he's like, will you just drop it? And then you hear the little guy go, (laughs) And the ticket guy comes like, hmm, <laughs> well, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, and I was just like, how are people saying
1: this isn't Star Wars? That's the craziest thing in the whole world. No other TV show in the world is that ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what the Star Wars name gets you. It lets you have scenes like that of people talking to little tiny creatures about nonsense. And it's, completely not out of the ordinary it's it's what we expect and they're delivering oh i was smiling so much that moment i could watch that moment over and over again on a loop for hours (laughs) that little guy just coming out one last thing with two before we jump to three though is another thing with the show like there barely being any music and then episode two like ending with like a full-on rock song when to like, it's like oh, things are getting going. We're kicking in the rock song at the end. Cassian's walking through like a junkyard, and like Dave Grohl is in the corner just wailing or something. Yeah, there's like a drum set playing. Like oh, this is not, not what I'm used to, but I'm into it. So yeah, pretty much three is like the recruiting episode. It's it's a lot of what we saw before we went to go see Rogue One in the theater. A lot of that awesome conversation and the battle escalates in the street with the the mall cops and just the people in the street. I, I don't know. I, I was loving the show overall. But yeah, this episode number three really takes it up to the next level. For some reason, I really, really loved Cassian's work buddy, Tyne that just big slab of metal to the bottom of their tiny little baby drop ship and the guy crashing because I was just like, this is the grassroots of rebel Alliance. It's not people fighting the empire so much, but it's people in this town kind of it's, and it's like the clanging on the metal, like the call to arms where all the the renta cops are just like, what what's going on? Why is everyone clanging? And they're like, it's a nuisance, but it's kind of like everybody do what you can to fight kind of thing. Well, and and that ship moment's just really cool too, because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if you're if you're the the anthropologist studying Star Wars, it's like, oh, and and Empire Strikes Back, they tie cables around the legs of these big ship to make it crash. And then here is like the, the real world version of it where it's just some guy ties a cable to the back of a spaceship and it crashes. But then it's also, it's the scene right out of American graffiti where they tie the cable to the cop car. So it's like, it's all that like George Lucas DNA filtered through the serious spy thrillerness of Tony Gilroy. Right. And yeah, you get something that's kind of familiar, but also new, but exciting because it, it fits the story, too, of like just, yeah, these workers kind of rising up against not quite the Empire yet, but just like, you know, the 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 lower tier of the people oppressing them. And I kept thinking, too, that something like that his buddy tying the thing to that ship, If if he wouldn't have done that, then... Maybe Cassian and Luthien wouldn't have been able to get away, and then you think of the chain of events, and then who would have gone and gotten Jin, or who would have shot Krennic out on that tower with Jin, and then would the Alliance have ever gotten the Death Star plans, and would Luke have been able to blow up the Death Star when he did? Yeah, you know, you just think of these these small moments and these little things happening on. Streets on this nothing planet and these little actions as as small as they may seem have bigger ripples into the future that eventually do bring down the empire and that's it it doesn't get you know any more uh star warsy than that i mean that's that's phantom menace too right of of looking at history of how these mundane events snowball into you know world wars with you know going to phantom menace it's like oh they blockaded dabu and now next thing you know the the entire galaxy's in a war and here you have Cassian looks for his sister and some idiots try to get money from him and then some other idiot refuses to listen to his boss and just let it go and then next thing you know there's a rebellion against the Empire, and it just, yeah, it all snowballs from there. And 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 this show definitely, with these three episodes, like each episode, you can see the the snowball rolling down the hill getting bigger and kind of dragging things along with it. And that's kind of what I'm like really, really, really into with this show. And that's kind of like what I was thinking of after these three episodes ended, especially with... The amazing like last five minutes of episode three with the back and forth, back and forth, and the amazing music, but the back and forth of Marva taking Cassa from the planet uh Canary. Yeah, Canary cut side by side with Luthan taking Andor off of Phoenix. And both of those scenes kind of Cassian leaving one stage of his life to another, you know, because you know where he is at the beginning of Rogue One, you know, he ends up as Captain Cassian Andor in the room with Bail Organa and Mon Mothma. You know, this is the first step in the rest of his life. And just like Marva taking him away from Canary, like this was her taking him from one place to another place. I don't know. It's the way they shot it too. The is just so good. No, it really, you don't realize how much the show is. Those three episodes are building up to the end until you're in the middle of the end. And it all kind of comes together. Um, Cause even the thing of you realizing, Oh crap. All this time he's been living like in his, his adopted parents, old ship. So there's that connection for him and then you know just kind of also the idea of you know we're seeing the beginning of his life as a child the big change and then now you know as a an adult the big change but also the idea that these big changes in his life aren't really his choice either and that his whole life is kind of reacting to choices that other people made because you know he didn't choose his adopted parents to to take him away and he kind of didn't choose to have to go away with Luthien. Like it just kind of fate made him make a choice. And we get to see that, you know, that's maybe the the strength of that. The character of Andor is that he's able to make something of the the cards he's dealt. Basically, he isn't, he doesn't have control over the situations he's in, but he takes advantage of it. You think of in Rogue One when Draven tells him that the mission is to kill Galen Erso, forget what he heard, you know, that in the end he makes the right decision where the, he's going to take Jinn and the little tiny crew to Scarif in an impossible mission to get the Death Star plans. Well, and, you know, another thing that'll be interesting, they kind of hint at in in either this, I think in this episode or the one before that, potentially his adopted father was killed for doing something that the, you know, either the the corporate people or the empire didn't agree with. Like there's definitely, so you would think that there's some connection there with Jin potentially losing her father. If, if he lost his father in kind of a similar unfortunate situation. And I, I get the feeling we'll, we'll learn more about that later as well. Yeah, is that the guy that was in the ship in the past with Marva? Is that somebody else? We don't know. Who knows? If you look in the in the credits, that the guy in the ship is last name is Andor. Oh wow. Okay. So that's his that's his uh so the two scavengers are his mom, his step or his adopted mom and adopted dad. Well, and I love to that now, like we said, we're going into episode four, we're we're We've seen fighting in the streets. We've seen the grassroots of rebellion. And now we're going into this Mon Mothma story where she's literally in the Imperial Senate on Coruscant where she can't go fighting in the streets and her surviving is her keeping the secret of what she's really doing. And since we've gotten these three episodes now thinking about that going into this next series of episodes, it's kind of just like, Oh, it's, it's, it's all golden paved roads from here on out. I was excited enough imagining getting back to Coruscant, but now seeing just how well they've did at like doing this serious interpretation of star Wars. Like, getting a serious interpretation of the outrageousness of Coruscant in the Imperial Senate is just, I I can't wait. Yeah. I can not wait. And it's, it's, yeah, like we said, it's big, big things from small, small beginnings and we're seeing all these small beginnings and it's absolutely fascinating. I'm 100% with this show, 100%. And and one last thing before I forget, the other thing in this episode, there was three little frog people, like, running in an alley. Yeah, where – I love <laughs> – the rent-a-cops are, like – they go into some shop and you see them like like run out. And it's like, oh, that's cool. We're not going to see those guys. But no, later, they're just hauling ass down an alley. And you get a good look at them. Yeah. And Cassian's just like, oh, those guys, okay. Yeah, just, my, frog, my frog friends are okay. Okay, good. <laughs> those are just the frog people that live on this planet. They, they're the ones that sell the calf. <laughs> yeah, they make the best calf.
0: of the team and the cast and everyone we've been working so hard these last years and and this energy that you've shared with us and this love means so much so thank you very very much
1: Hey, everybody. Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this episode, I know what you should do. You should go over there and write us something nice over there on Apple Podcasts, if that's the way you listen. It helps more people find Blast Points when they're looking for a Star Wars podcast. And if you listen on Spotify, you should leave us a five-star review over there and last weekend when I was on uh, the George Lucas talk show, they came up with a great idea and they said I could use it, that there's no... Wars with our star ratings because all we get are good ratings. So there's no wars in our stars. And don't forget to check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in the Super Chill group. And the website's a great place to go If you want to search for back episodes If you want to hear all the episodes we've ever talked about Like Rogue One or anything That's a great place to go And we've got the Blast Points Army On Patreon Tons of bonus stuff Eventually there are going to be Some Andor episodes Over there on Patreon Probably we're What we think we're going to do here The way, the way we're going to do this With Andor coming going forward is we don't want to do it like we did with Obi-Wan, where Obi-Wan was only, like, by the time we got back to Celebration, was, what, like four episodes or something, or six? I don't remember. But if we talked about Andor with every single episode, we'd be doing it until almost the end of the year. And we've got some other silly stuff that we want to do before the end of the year. So what we're going to do is kind of, these are going to go in story arcs. We'll kind of have a regular show at the end of each story arc kind of recapping what was going on. And then over there on the Patreon, we may be breaking it down bit by bit by bit. Yeah, that's the plan. We'll see see how things go. But yeah, hopefully we will be doing some kind of mini episodes on the Patreon for each of the individual Andor episodes and then more of a giant size main show episode as we get through each of the three episode story arcs. Now that we've seen these first three episodes, there is a lot of stuff packed into every little episode of andor so it's going to be a lot eventually we got to get back to attack of the clones here we won't forget we won't forget there's still time <laughs> we got some good attack of the clones year stuff coming up but that about wraps up this look at the first three episodes of andor number 328 here i oh, don't know i'm ready to go i'm down is it next wednesday yet is mom going to go to a wall of gloves? Is there going to be a wall of gloves on Coruscant? Maybe she has, like, a wall of gowns or something that she... <laughs> You'll have to get going on a new song. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, no. All right. So on that note, everyone, thank you all so much for listening. Tune in next week for a really fun episode. Something to look forward to. But until then, thank you all so much for listening. Bye-bye.
0: May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.